Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week, the guys welcome back NFL insider Benjamin Albright. Defend Nick Saban's emotional outburst. Find out what not to do with the Stanley Cup and check in on the new chicken dipping craze. All that and more this week on Just Press Play. Pregnant ladies and little kids better get the hell out of the way because I am running. I'm just, I'm like Forrest Gump, dude. I am running. So, who also got covered by Aretha Franklin in RSPCT. Find out what it means to me. I want you to use ombudsman in a sentence next week. I got one for you. My name is Kevin, the official ombudsman. You like apples? All right, here we are. We are back. It is the NFL. I can smell it. The season is fixing to start. We got our Thursday night game, and then this weekend, it's we got a full weekend of college and pro football. And we got Pops back. What's up? We're all three what here. What up? What up, what up? I know it's sticking here because the NFL is the poop. <laughs> wow. Well, we'll just, we'll like add like some, like uh, the laughter, like some sitcom laughter behind that, like a laugh track. We need to have a laugh track button for you, Kev. Yeah. Probably yeah maybe. Good. So you can fire whenever well, necessary. Consider the source. Well, here we are. And with football being back, just a real quick reminder, if you, if you don't already know, we are brought to you by MyBookie. It's the best place to bet on any, any football game. Right now, if you enter our promo code, they'll give you they'll match whatever deposit you put in. That's mybookie.ag. If you're if you're going to be betting on if you're going to be betting on games this this uh, NFL and college season, can I do things that are not football? You can do all kinds of stuff. We'll get into it in a little bit later. But if okay. if you're going to be gambling, then mybookie.ag is the way to go with the promo code JPP. Right. But guys, cool. I wanted to. Get, we got a fun episode coming to, to come together because Ben Albright jumped on with me the just great a second ben ago. Albright's and back with us. The NFL wow. insider graced us with his presence, and he'll have come on just a little bit. We kind of ran through My all Steve the divisions Atwater in the NFL, and buddy, yeah. <laughs> he likes your Broncos this year. He, he's a fan. He thinks that well, not a fan. He thinks they'll be a good team this year. Yeah, so. well, you said he's an insider. He should know. I mean, who wouldn't? Well, so. you'll you'll like. I think in back to back sentences, he said, "I think the Broncos will surprise people, and the Raiders are garbage." So you'll you'll like that. <laughs> you'll those back-to-back you'll sentences. like that. Yeah. yeah, I think I think this might be my favorite interview so far, and I haven't listened to it yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> but let's go ahead, and I wanted to kind of get into some storylines real quick, some stuff just kind of making the headlines in the All news right. the past couple of days, and then we'll toss the interview. But I know uh, one thing that's really blowing up on the internet, and we're not going to get into the the political side of it. We've already done it, and you can go back and listen to an older podcast. But Nike introduced that Kaepernick's going to be the face of their 30-year campaign yep. on the the 
if you're or if you're going to stand for something or stand for something, even if it means sacrificing everything, alluding yeah. to him not having a job. Yeah. And it was it was an interesting ad. It was an interesting announcement. And of course, as soon as they did, it was a total uproar on Twitter where people would some were all for it. Some were totally against it. I saw some ridiculous, ridiculous videos of people burning their their clothes and shoes. Yeah. Cutting their socks to take the checks off of it. I Wherever you stand is totally fine, but I don't understand why you would ruin the stuff that you've already paid for. Like yeah, Nike I mean, already has your money. It does hurt Nike if you go out and buy a few pairs of socks just so you can cut them up. Um, so keep that in <laughs> mind. And uh, well, and then if you if you have the, the the higher socks like that and you cut the top of them off, they now won't stay up. They're, they're going to fall yeah. down every time. They are useless <laughs> socks. Yeah, yeah. So good job, like Pete Maravich socks. You yeah, know, just sagging. <laughs> and. I just night one like there's all the people this morning like oh this is what's doing to Nike's business. I Nike's been around for a little while. They've done a pretty good job at the business side. This isn't something like a spur of the moment. This was a very thought out, well planned thing. I think they feel pretty good about it. And it's not like the face of their franchise isn't already LeBron James, who right. has been pretty clear where he stands on this. So right. They couldn't well, really ride the fence. I don't know. I think it's getting blown way out of proportion. I think that, um, you know, if you pay attention, those people that destroyed their Keurig machines, they really put Keurig out of business. And so um, those people <laughs> that burned their red uh, Redskins jerseys, um, I mean, we saw what the, what happened there. They changed the name. They moved the team. It was incredible. So <laughs> yeah, right. uh, just keep destroying your stuff and show how smart you are. I just think well, – uh, I want to say that, I mean, it, I think it's a pretty brave – step for Nike. Yeah. I no, think. I agree. I mean, I think, you know, Kaepernick, agree or disagree with him, he's bringing, and I, we don't have to get into it completely I wish we would. like we did before, <laughs> but I mean, he brought light to an issue that needed light being brought to yeah. it, and he's unemployed. And so I'm, I'm pretty proud of Nike for giving the guy a job. I don't think, I, I just thought it was a very brave move yeah. uh, for them. And I think that a lot of the people that they market to are of a more open mindset yeah and we'll probably appreciate it i think in the long run it could be good for nike i think it's very interesting it's a ballsy step i want to see what happens yeah. from it but well it just this isn't new for nike in a way i mean they they jordan was their guy when jordan was going through troubles with the nba and people were at one point the, there was a, a thought process where players were thugging up the nba by their sagging shorts and right right with with african americans and they sponsored the biggest african american basketball player and then tiger woods was kind of the we've mentioned before one of the first black golfers and then they've been behind lebron who has been very outspoken about his thoughts politically yeah and then i think this just follows right along and i I agree with you dad is a brave thing i just don't understand i just i can't get over if you really want to hurt nike why don't you like go donate all your nike gear and get like a tax deductible or something besides like burning it i don't understand or or just like buy the competition you know if that's your goal then let everybody on adidas know that like you're willing to buy their shoes and stuff i don't know who nike's direct competitors are and uh but you know but 
Yeah, well, let's we'll see what happens. You I'm know. excited interesting. about it. I think interesting it's a great development. Ad. I think it's a yes. strong ad, and I think it's interesting also that they've paid him uh, this entire time. This was the plan the whole time. This isn't just like a response to the case being a big deal. This is what they've been going for, and so I, I, no. I agree. Brave, brave choice. The funnest, the, the 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 best part about it. Well, I don't know best or what, but it's just the the most ironic was, and I think they planned it to be this first week right before NFL starts back up. Yeah, yeah. But the NFL kind of thought maybe this. Anthem stuff was doling just a tad. Yeah. And then this brings it all right back up. And then it's great because in March, the NFL just announced their 10 year agreement to extension with Nike to keep producing their jerseys. So they could, (laughs) I I saw some tweet that was like, uh, some owner might be emailing Nike mad about the Colin Kaepernick thing. And Nike just says, So what color rush jerseys would you like to wear on Thursday nights? (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was good. Speaking of guys who are mad though we talked about it a little bit we touched on it earlier this week lj with with nick saban going off on maria taylor yeah. about about his quarterback situation and since we talked about it, he apologized and it was privately and now been publicly but i kind of the more i've thought about it i think i understand why nick saban is so angry okay he he finally so he finally got the exact game manager that that is he doesn't turn the ball over. He's athletic enough. He can make plays on the fl- on the ground and make enough throws to win your game. And, uh, and with Nick Saban in Alabama, he's never needed a stud quarterback. He just needs someone good enough and someone right. who won't turn the ball over and they'll right. win. And so he had that Jalen Hurts. And then all of a sudden, he finally hits big and recruits <laughs> this stud in Tua yeah. who makes every throw. He looked amazing in week one. Yeah. And so I think Nick Saban's just mad at himself as a talent evaluator that he finally got the quarterback he's been looking for. Fair. And then also got the stud quarterback that he can't not play. So he just is like pissed off at his own situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just misdirected anger. I love it. (laughs) And then uh, a side note I thought was funny just with – Speaking of Alabama, uh, LSU's quarterback, they had a big win over Miami Sunday night. And uh, a lot of people, it was hilarious to know. This just showed how bad LSU's quarterback situation has been for the past decade. Joe Burrow, the transfer from Ohio State, went 11 for 24 with 140 yards and no touchdowns with the wow. 56 QBR and their big win in week one. And like people were all over Twitter going, LSU finally has a quarterback. They finally have their quarterback. <laughs> wow. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's go see how the stats actually looked. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I just think it shows how barren that the quarterback situation's been down in Baton Rouge for yeah, so for long. Sure. And then speaking of that game, I don't know if y'all noticed this, but the kicker for Miami, he's a freshman. First off, his name's cool. Bubba Baxa. He, okay. um, he got introduced. He was coming out for his first kick in the first quarter, and a lot of times they'll they'll intro like a graphic underneath, like you know, freshman was rated this kicker in high school or blah blah blah. They'll kind of tell you who he is. Their thing said freshman Miami Bubba Baxa, and then it said made four of ten field goals his entire high school career. <laughs> It's like, wow, why did you have to put Bubba on blast like that? I didn't understand. It it seemed a little uncalled for. They could have just said freshman from whatever state or something. They didn't have to say he was awful his senior season, you know? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Hmm. And then I saw I saw some news. I saw something you'd be interested in, LJ. Uh, Terrell Davis, you know, of course, yeah. you know, I'm sure some people my age may not, but I think most people know Terrell Davis, the Bron- the, the legendary Broncos running back. Yep. He tweeted out that the rookie, Philip Lindsay, I don't know if yep. you know who this is, LJ. I don't know who Philip Lindsay is. Yeah, he he's the but, first. Yeah, yeah. 
he contacted Terrell Davis before, right before the regular season and called old TD and asked if he could have permission to wear the classic number 30 jersey. Yeah. And Terrell Davis said that not only is Philip Lindsay an incredible young man and he's honored that he'd want to wear the number 30 jersey, but that it's time to dust off the old 3-0. So we will, right. we will be seeing a number 30 in Denver running the ball some this I'm year. I'm into that. I'm excited about Philip Lindsay. He's a, my understanding is he's the first undrafted free agent to uh, not have to play week four for the Broncos maybe ever. Like he didn't have to, he was an undrafted free agent that didn't have to earn a spot. Oh, okay. In not four. in the preseason. He didn't have to earn that spot in right. week four. He already right, right. got it. Okay. And then uh, also speaking of Terrell Davis, uh, apparently Royce Freeman is the first uh, rookie to start a game for Denver since Terrell Davis. So oh, or wow. his first game, the first rookie to start his first game. So I got a lot you. of Terrell Davis in the news lately. Oh, yeah. It's never a bad time to have Terrell Davis in the news. I, I always it. like Terrell. I love I it. Terrell TV. Davis, he's a Hall of Famer, right? Didn't he get inducted? Yeah. Yeah, he did. Hall of Famer Terrell Davis. Hall of Famer Terrell Davis with that classic migraine Super Bowl uh, misdirection. You remember that? You, you don't need to see the one where he said he yeah. couldn't see and that told him just just act like you're getting it because if you're not on the field, then no one will be they know where it's it. not going. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, right. That was Mike Shanahan, wasn't it? Indeed. Yeah, Indeed it I think was. So. Back yeah. in the Mike yeah. Shanahan, John Elway glory days. Yep. yep. Back in the day. Yep. Gruden's trying to take us back. You know, I just saw this before we got on earlier today. The USA Today Sports tweeted out that the Hockey Hall of Fame, speaking of Hall of Fame, is politely asking players to stop doing keg stands on the Stanley Cup. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my favorite tweet of the day when I read that tweet. I, well, I don't know if maybe they're asking to stop doing keg stands on the Stanley Cup because it, it doesn't really make sense like gravity-wise. Like yeah. you can't really get a lot of beer or if they would like you to quit quit doing it because it's like a disgrace. But what are you supposed to do with the Stanley Cup if you're not doing keg stands on it? I, I mean, all, all that's left is cereal. So I guess yeah. eat a lot of cereal, but... Um, it's part of the yeah. hockey tradition. I know. I know. Yeah. I know. John would would chime in on that old John Payne loyal loyal <laughs> listener. Well, now wait a minute. A keg stand is when you you well, kind of do accurate. a handstand yeah. on a keg with the thing in your mouth yeah. and you're drinking. So right. how are they doing a keg stand? On right. it doesn't make much sense. So what they do it, is they pick them up and they stand, put they yeah. like dip them into the beer. So like your face is all the way in right. the beer. It's more like, like bobbing for apples, in. but but like with beer. But it's because it's the Stanley Cup and you just do it. It's tradition. You just do it. You don't ask questions. You just do it. Well, you know, if if I had to do a cake stand like that, I'd want to be first. Um, not it's fair. Second. You know, something oddly, I don't know, maybe I'm in the, the minority here. I don't think hockey players are all that worried about sanitary things, especially <laughs> well, after the Stanley Cup, after they win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, I don't think, I, I don't think Ovechkin was like, hey, can you wipe the rim of the Stanley Cup for me, please, before Just I do Just a mine. second, I brought my disinfectant wipes. <laughs> <laughs> Let me wipe my tooth. <laughs> hey, I have all a quick right, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was just thinking about this when we were doing our last podcast, and and this is neither an insult or a compliment. I'm just I was noticing that I feel like the only league where uh, fans root for the uh, the competitors is the SEC. I feel like in football you never root for like the cow- a cowboy fan doesn't root for Eagles to win games. Um, you know, like how often does that happen in any other league? I understand what happens in the SEC, but like that just seems so. Like saying like the like SEC fans were rooting for Auburn to beat Washington, right? Like you said the other Week day, one. you wanted Alabama to win because uh, it makes Arkansas strength of schedule better. Uh, 
Right. And and I think that's totally valid. But I just feel like, you know, I and, and I think it's kind of all of college football, but nobody else really roots for their opponents in any other sport that I can think of um, besides. Uh, well, that. I think they kind of do at times in the college basketball. You might root for the during the ACC Big 12 challenge. If you're an ACC team, you want your conference to look good because you want strength of schedule. I think it happens in college sure. sports because we have strength that of schedule silly ranking so thing. Well, because we, you, yeah, it's like hundreds of teams instead of uh, 30. So, yeah. Strength well, like you said, in the NFL, you don't really worry about like the Cowboys don't need to root for the Eagles because really if the Cowboys just win 14 games, then they'll be fine. They don't need any other right. team in their division. Can they, I can look at the Patriots division. They've sucked for the past 10 years. Right. As long as you keep winning, you'll be fine. Yeah. And in college, you do kind of at the end of the day, there's only four teams make the playoffs. And even before there was just the BCS where two teams make the championship. So anything you can do to make your team, your record look better outside yeah. of the record itself, you're rooting for. I, that's the only answer I really have for you. Other than that, it's just uh, college fans are like the utmost when it comes to fanatics. Yeah. And they just want a reason to argue with other well, people. So. And the other thing I think on top of that that I find kind of interesting is that uh, there's still, even though you root for like a, a strength of schedule victory, there's still almost for every fan that one team that they'll never root for no matter what. Um, like uh, I was watching Texas this thing A&M. on Mississippi and Ole Miss or uh, Ole Miss and uh, Mississippi State. And, yeah. you know, that's they're never going to root for the, that other team to win in any situation ever. Um, and yeah, like you Kinda said, like, Texas I wouldn't think Auburn, like and, LSU back Auburn and Alabama are rooting for each other very often. Right, right, ever. right. Yeah, strength of schedule be damned. I just want you to lose. Uh, but like, but that's the rare case is like your one distinct. Rival. And also, I'll throw it out there just I, since I I do in. Uh, root for I find myself rooting for Arkansas and kind of rooting for an SEC team I think the SEC fans rooting so hard for other SEC schools does get taken a little like that whole mantra of the best conference in football has now oh, got yeah. blown out of proportion a little bit yeah. and like it's such a between between not only SEC fans but also other conferences who just want to say the SEC is overhyped like now yeah. both sides have gotten so strong and like planted their flag so hard in one side yeah. or the other so they just they have to they can't back down now I will say that has led to one of my favorite videos on YouTube where uh, an Iowa Hawkeye dad is uh, – the premise is it's never too old to inform your kids about the SEC bias. And so he sits down his <laughs> like seven-year-old and, and five-year-old and like is explaining to them the SEC bias in the media. And it's pretty <laughs> funny. I'll have to show you guys. I think you'll get a kick out of it. But hmm. Hmm. <laughs> All right. And on that note, let's get into we, – we, we, we teased it earlier. Let's get into the interview with Ben Albright, NFL Insider. All right, now we welcome on NFL insider Ben Albright. And Ben, uh, we're happy to have you on, man. Yeah, happy to be back. All right, well, we I want to just go ahead. We got the NFL season. It starts. It's right around the corner. So let's. I, I kind of want to just jump into it a little bit. And to start out, kind of just the news that's still lingering on today, is Le'Veon Bell going to be playing for the Steelers in week one? Do you know? Do you have a feel for that? I don't know about week one. Um, I was under the impression that he was going to sit out a couple of weeks, um, just to try to gain some additional leverage. Um, and if I were him, I think that's the way I would do it. I, I would sit out as long as possible, all the way into like week eight, you know, week seven, um, and then and then come back because you know he's playing for a big money contract with whoever's next team is going to be. The Steelers aren't going to pay it, 
And um, so the last thing you want to do is uh, have that team run you into the ground and get you injured uh, when they know it's their last year with you. So, you know, if I'm Le'Veon Bell, I'm protecting my own financial interests. I bet on myself. I come back midseason, put a little bit of effort in one game, maybe two, put up some big numbers, and then I get quote-unquote uh, a little too dinged up to play anymore, and that's how I play it. Yeah, that's one thing I wonder if uh, anyone's in Le'Veon's ear or maybe he's just seen it. But I, I kind of could see the Steelers take, using this kind of like the Cowboys deal with DeMarco Murray where they know they're not going to pay him that big contract, so just go ahead and get everything out of him <clears throat> and then just run him into the ground. And if you're Le'Veon Bell, like you said, why even let that happen? Just show teams you still got it and then try to be healthy and let's get that payday like Kirk Cousins did this past offseason. Right, and and that's a way to do it. Uh, just just you know, bet on yourself. Uh, put two games worth of work in to show you got it, and move on. Um, and then you know, uh, <laughs> and, and go from there. Make sure you still get the credible year, so they don't get the option of using another tag on you or rolling the tag over to the next year. So, uh, you know, I think he's playing it right. Um, he's playing it smart. Obviously, he's got decent representation. They've got a high dollar value that they've. Uh, they think he can get. I don't think he's worth that. I wouldn't pay it for a running back. But um, from the player's perspective, he's doing the right thing to try to cash in. All right. Well, let's. I kind of want to just dive in a little bit. I saw um, you were kind of making some some semi predictions. You know, talking about what you thought might happen this season. So let's just jump into it and starting with the NFC West. I kind of. It seems like the big storyline here is just the. How how big of a jump can the 49ers make, and are the Rams – I mean, they've made so many signings. I mean, they're coming off a big year. What's your kind of uh, prediction from the NFC West this year? Well, I think everybody's got the Rams there at the top. Um, yeah. They've got a lot of talent on paper. Uh, they did pretty well last year, and they've, they've added pieces. So I think on paper, everybody looks at the Rams as at the top of the class. I don't disagree with that. Um, but uh, a- after that, I think the Niners uh, – you know, are probably the team to watch. Um, you know, they were a team that, even though their record didn't indicate it, they were very competitive last year. They were in quite a few games, uh, even with C.J. Beathard and um, and Brian Hoyer at the helm. Of course, they won games with Garoppolo, but they were in games and very competitive, uh, beating the spread quite a bit early on last year. Uh, I think they're going to be a competitive team that probably takes number two. Uh, and then the other two teams in the division, uh, to me, look like hot garbage. Uh, you, you've got a Seattle team that sits in the middle of a major rebuild and outside of Russell Wilson and you know a few pieces on defense, really don't have much much talent on the roster at all. And you've got an Arizona team uh, that needs uh, offensive line help again. You would figure this wouldn't be a problem given uh, you know since the Super Bowl back when Kurt Warner was there, how much of a problem it's been from coach to coach. You thought they got it resolved, and now they're back in the same you know dire straits with with poor offensive line play uh you've got larry fitzgerald's probably running you know his last year um you know who are going to be the other weapons there uh you got uh, mike mccoy coming in as an oc whose offense is incredibly complex you've got sam bradford at the quarterback who uh you know you sneeze on him and he, he falls over right. for the season um you know mike glennon who's an, an absolute nobody uh, and Josh Rosen, who's not even remotely ready. So, um, you know, I, I, Arizona and Seattle look like two terrible teams, and I don't expect them to be in contention at all. Yeah, I could see Seattle. I could see that going. I mean, Russell Wilson's great, but other, out, like you said, outside of him, I don't know what they really have. And it looks like Baldwin's kind of banged up this year. And I, this could be the year where they just ask too much of Russell Wilson. And if he were to get hurt, then I don't know how they win a game. So, yeah, I, 
I think it's Rams, 49ers, and then the other two teams. I'm with you 100% in that division. But moving over to the NFC North, it it seems like it's kind of a, a two-man race between the Vikings and Packers. And we, we know the, the Bears just made the acquisition of Khalil Mack and the Lions. They have a good offense, but what, am I crazy for thinking? I think I'm all over the Vikings this year. I think the Kirk Cousins acquisition could be big for them. What, what What's your thoughts on that division? Well, I think the Vikings have the division probably locked down. Um, they've got a great defense, strong run game. Uh, there's some questions along the offensive line. That's going to be a problem, whether Kirk Cousins is going to have time. Uh, preseason, he looked pretty sharp. He's got a good connection with uh, with Diggs. Uh, so that's going to be interesting where Keenum kind of had a better connection with Thalen. Um, we'll, we'll see how that plays out as the, uh, you know, as the season goes along. Um, I, I think they're the class of the division there. Um, you know, I think the second team there is probably the Bears. Uh, I know everybody freaks out, wants to say the Packers, but you know, outside of Aaron Rodgers, that that Packers team is not good. Right. Um, it's it's just not. You know, I mean, you saw that last decent... year. As soon as he went down, they I mean they there were nothing. Right. They've invested some picks in their secondary, which is good. They've got a good young secondary, but the the linebacking core is is aged on the outside and unathletic on the inside. And I just don't know where they're going to generate a pass rush from. They've got a better uh, defensive coordinator in Petten now, but. I, I just I just don't know how they're going to get after opposing quarterbacks that you're going to have to in that division, uh, you know, with Cousins and Trubisky and, and especially Stafford. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, the, the, the tackles are all right, but outside of that, that line's not really much. Um, they did add Jimmy Graham, so that's interesting, but, you know, the receivers are just kind of guys. Uh, a little overrated, I think. They get big numbers because of the quarterback they play with. And then the health of Aaron Rodgers, you know, is he going to be healthy? I, I've never seen a quarterback stick around too much longer after two collarbone injuries. Uh, we all saw what happened to Tony Romo after two. He fell off. So, right. um, you know, I, I think the Packers are the third team in the division. I think the Lions are the fourth team in that division. Yeah, I think it's kind of something that is a little, I don't know about underrated the right word, but just not noticed. But the the way Aaron Rodgers has carried Mike McCarthy to 10 win seasons over the past seven plus years, I just, I don't, it's been Aaron Rodgers and then hopefully some guys step up around him and I just think I'm with you. Broken collarbones at some point do catch up to you. So moving to the, the NFC South, and this is the division I had the most trouble with trying to, to pick a winner in it because I just I, I really feel like any well outside of the Bucks, the Bucks are I, I think Dirk Cutter doesn't make it too far into the regular season. But outside of them, it's a toss up to me. What what do you have going in the NFC South? Well, um, you know, I, I think the Falcons are going to take the South. Uh, I think they have the most talent. Um, I think the, the question is Steve Sarkeesian, you know. Uh, I think he holds that offense back. We all saw what he was able to do with Kyle Shanahan and how it hasn't been the same since. Um, but I, I think they have the most talent in the division. Um, uh, strongest defense, best quarterback play outside of Breeze. So, you know, I think that um, I think they're going to take the division. Uh, I think New Orleans is probably going to be number two. Uh, we saw what they were capable of last year, and they look to have gotten better on paper. Um, you know, Breeze is kind of winding down, but um, that's that's still an offense that's uh, that's lethal. Um, and then you look at the rest of the division. You you got a Panthers team that's kind of you know you're trying to figure out. They they brought in North Turner, which I think will be an improvement for the run game, uh, which should help protect Cam. But we'll see. You know how that goes. I don't think the run game will be as reliant on Cam Newton as it has in years past, which is a good thing. Um, but uh, you know, overall, uh, that team's getting a little long in the tooth on the defensive side of the ball too, um, and that, that secondary is kind of suspect. So um, that's you know that, that's just a question mark. And then, then of course you got the Bucks, and I, I you know I think Cutter will be fired uh, you know by week eight. So 
Um, I, I think they'll move on and, and, and get something else there. They've, they've invested heavily in the offensive side of the football, still haven't been able to, to win games. Um, you know, obviously, James is going to be out for a little bit this season. It's, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he comes back, whether or not they make a, a future commitment to him or he moves on. That's what I'm, I'm interested to see. I, I guess they'll see what they have in him this year, but I think it's probably more likely than not that come next season, Jameis Winston's wearing a different jersey. And I just the, – the, the, there's between the off-field issues he's had and then the on-field issues of just turning the ball over. It just – his name is not in the same lure it once was. Uh, I, speaking of North Turner, do you think he has I, – I, I agree with you on the run game. Do you think he helps Cam Newton in the pass game there in Carolina or – I think so. I think that it, having a strong run game will open up play action. Uh, you know, Cam is not the most accurate quarterback in the world, but he's got a big arm. He can hit the deep ball, and they've got receivers that can get down there. So I, I think it'll help open up the deep ball again, and I think that'll be good. So you think, but the I, I could see what – I think I'm picking Panthers in that one, but I can see what you mean with the Falcons. It just seems like for some reason the people forget how much talent's on that team, I guess because the – there was such a drop-off in their offensive production when Shanahan left. But between the talent they have on the offense, the defense still has speed all around it, and they really just lost Claiborne from what I could see. So I think there is still plenty of talent there. Moving to the EF, the NFC East, that one, the only reason I think that's kind of up in the air for who wins that division is because we don't know how Wentz comes back from the injury. But I don't feel confident in any of the other three. I see, I could see any of those other three teams winning ten games or winning four. What What's your kind of outlook on that division in the NFC East? Well, I think the Eagles are probably the team to beat. Um, you know, it's a team that's coming back. They They did pretty well. Wentz will be coming back. Um, you know, I think they've got a lot of talent there. I think they'll be good. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they handle success. Um, you know, you've got a couple of people that are going to widen their careers down. Jason Peters, you know, they're going to want to go out with a bang. So uh, I think they'll keep them motivated. Um, after them, you know, it, it really is kind of toss up. I know a lot of people favor the New York Giants, but teams tend to favor fans tend to favor teams that just drafted offensive skill players. I, I think a Giants team is still a mess. I'm not sure uh, about that offensive line. Eli Manning, you know, where he's at at this point in his career. Um, Saquon Barkley. Uh, only ran for, I think he only had uh, 100 yards rushing in something like uh, 16 of the 38 games he played in in college. Um, there, was a, there was a lot of hype there, but you go back to the tape and sometimes it doesn't match up. Um, so we'll see how that works out. Um, obviously, Odell just signed that big deal, so I don't know how motivated he's going to be um, you know, going forward. Um, in the defensive side of the ball, they've got some pieces. They've got a decent defense, but you know, I, I think Washington's probably a better football team. They brought in Alex Smith. He's not going to turn the ball over as much as Kirk Cousins did. Uh, he's more efficient with the ball. I think they'll, uh, I think they'll be safer on offense, and it kind of fits that Gruden, you know, Gulf Coast offense, that dink and dunk stuff. Um, so maybe Alex can be Jay Gruden's Rich Gannon. Um, you know, Washington's got pieces on the offensive line, and they've got a decent defense. So I, you know, I think they're the second team in the division. I think Giants are third. I think a Dallas team is going to be bringing up the rear. Yeah, there's a few signs where Dallas showed that their defense could be a little better, but I just think they're kind of a mess on off. There's a ton of injuries up front in their offensive line. And then we don't know what they're looking at receiver wise. And then I don't know if, I think the jury's still out on how good Dak Prescott is. I'm do you, it's it, speaking of them. Do you think Garrett, is he on the hot seat at all? Or is he still Jerry Jones guy? What do you see with that? If they were to have a bad season? 
Well, I mean, he's Jerry's guy, but that seat's getting warm. He's got to start producing. Um, and I think you're right about Dak Prescott. Jerry's still out there. Um, you know, he came crashing back to earth last year, uh, lost five percentage points in his completion percentage. Quarterback rating was down 20 points. The interception percentage was up two points. Touchdown percentage was down half a percentage point. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, once teams got a little tape on him and, and, and they got rid of that Arc Reed stuff, um, you know, he's, he's a little bit more of a liability. Dax never had a big arm. Um, you know, he's guys who's kind of a medium velocity guy. And, you know, he, the teams picked up on that, started breaking on the ball last year, picking him off. So, you know, I, I don't know. We'll see. Third year's a bounce back year. It's a, it's a chance for a quarterback to kind of prove what he's going to become. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see what he does this year. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Well, I think we'll learn a lot more about the quarterback Dak Prescott is after this season. So going into the in a, the AFC, start off in the West with the uh, – I, I know John Gruden is the storyline, it seems like. he's made, he, he says something that gets him in the news, and this week he traded his best player – one, do you have any idea what John Gruden's doing there? And then what, what's kind of your outlook on who wins that division? Well, John's trying to create a culture, a certain culture there. Uh, he wants guys that want to be there, you know, kind of thing, that that whole whole spiel. Yeah, um, okay. I think that the, the, the thing that most people didn't realize with the Raiders are, uh, is not that it's it was a cap deal with, uh, with Khalil Mack. It said it was a cash deal. Yeah, would you explain um, that real you know, quick? Because I think people kind of get lost in that. Yeah, uh, the salary cap is really supposed to be an equalizer between small and big market teams. So no team can go out and outspend theoretically year to year uh, and just buy up all the good players like they do in baseball sometimes. Um, and it's just supposed to create parity and give teams like Jacksonville the opportunity to compete with you know teams like uh, you know in, in New York. Um, so uh, that said, uh, cash is something totally different. Cap is the amount you're allowed to spend. Cash is the actual physical money you have available to spend. Uh, and when you sign a contract, guaranteed money that is in that contract has to be put in escrow within two weeks. So um, you literally have to have cash on hand to be able to pay the guaranteed money. It has to literally be guaranteed by being in the bank. Um, so uh, the problem is, is the Raiders just got through paying Derek Carr. Uh, they just paid John Gruden. You know their coach, uh, and, and oh by the way, they owe three hundred and eighty-five million dollars in relocation fees to the NFL franchises, the other NFL franchises. Um, so the you know another ninety million on top of that uh, was is going to be hard to come by, especially when you're a team that's in the middle of a relocation, um, and and you're kind of cash strapped to begin with. So uh, the Raiders didn't want to trade Khalil Mack. It just started becoming more and more of an economic reality after they realized he wasn't budging off that ninety million figure. So then they just once they once they because from what I had read they they tried to give him an offer to see if he would budge away and they realized kind of like you said he was sticking to his guns and I think they just kind of realized well it's it's not going to work out economically so let's go ahead and try to get the best thing we can for him and they did get two first for him and it could work out Arden Keys looked decent in the preseason I'm I'm interested to see what happens there I just think that it, John Gruden seems like he's doing some interesting things out there in Oakland but. Other than Oakland, who who do you like to win that division? Do you like the Broncos in a bounce back or the Chargers this year? I like the Chargers to win the division. I think the Chargers might have the best defense in the NFL on paper. Um, it's it's good. They're going to be real good. Um, you know, the question, the key is going to be offense, which they, you know they've got better along the offensive line. Uh, they need to improve the run game, and of course, they lost Hunter Henry uh, for most of the season, so that's going to be a tough loss. But uh, you know, we'll kind of see how that works with the tight end position. Um, 
you know, I, I think the Chargers are going to run away with the division. Uh, I think Denver might be in line to be second in that division. Um, I got a chance to see them up close and personal this preseason. Um, that offense is going to be vastly improved. And the defense kind of checked out last year, but it was still very good. And I think the defense is still going to be fine. So I, I think they're going to end up uh, flirting with a wild card. I think Kansas City is going to take a giant step back. Uh, Bob Sutton probably need to be fired this offseason, but Andy Reid lobbied for him and kept him. Um, that that defense is um, <laughs> takes major major um, chances when it shouldn't. It doesn't have the secondary to be able to cover the way it needs to. Um, Bob Sutton is uh, misuses players a lot. He's got Justin Houston dropping back into coverage way too often. Yeah. Uh, so it's you know that, that defense is just bad. Uh, it's it's really bad and. Uh, you know, and then you've got a, a young quarterback who's going to be making his first uh, season starting in Pat Mahomes. I, I think Mahomes will be a star in this league, but uh, I think, you know, e- even the uh, future Hall of Famers struggled in their first seasons. You know, you look at Peyton Manning threw 30 interceptions his first year. So, uh, you know, I think a guy like Mahomes is going to have a, a little bit of a learning curve. He's going to make some jaw dropping plays, he's going to make some head slap plays. Uh, and so I, I think Kansas City is going to take a major step back this season. Uh, and then, of course, I think the Raiders are the absolute worst team in the division, and it's not even going to be close. Yeah, with the, the my thought on the Chargers, and I, I'm, I think I'm picking them too because there's just – I think they return the most talent, and then they have a very competent quarterback. And Melvin, I mean, there's just talent around them. And then the defense, I agree with the edge rushers on there are fantastic, and they still have guys on the back end. But the only the only thing I just for some reason I can't get the the thought of the Chargers. It seems like they do this every year to to us where the years you kind of like them they start out one and four or two and five and then the rest of the year Philip Rivers is playing keep up and they end up getting back in the hunt. So I could see that happening. But I just wanted to ask you on on the Broncos. I I do think they have a better year, but it's with Case Keenum at quarterback. Is that a they they've now let go cut Paxton Lynch? That was a a mess. But is Case Keenum their guy moving forward, or is he a bridge until that next guy in your eyes? He's the guy, um, and they paid him to be the guy. You know, um, They gave him a short-term contract so they can get out from under it quick, but as long as he can be the guy, he'll be the guy. Um, Gary Kubiak, who brought Case Keenum into the NFL down there in Houston, uh, you know, is doing a lot of the scouting and, and evaluating and personnel management for the Broncos. They're kind of grooming him to take over for John Elway. Um, and he's, you know, he's doing, uh, he's doing a lot of that and that's his guy. Uh, so he brought case into the Broncos Broncos previously tried to trade for case, uh, with, with the Rams before he went to the Vikings. Uh, and the Rams said no and put a first round tender on him as a restricted free agent. So, uh, the Broncos weren't willing to give a first for him. So, um, you know, I, he, I've seen him in practice this preseason. He's looked very sharp. Uh, I know people were talking about last year being a one year wonder. I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, no pun intended. I think uh, I think he's very good. All right. Well, they did pay him like one of the like a guy. So we'll, we'll, I'll be interested to see how that works out. Moving over to the AFC North, I know everyone is all over the Browns because they've just ha- they've watched Hard Knocks and enjoyed watching that. And there is talent around there. I'll start with: Do you think the Browns can overcome the the incompetence? It seems like is at their coaching and make a run at the playoffs. And then second, what do you like in that division just in general? Well, I don't think that the Browns are a playoff team, but I think they'll be competitive this coming season, which is a uh, a, a one a wonderful um, uh, departure from previous couple of seasons. Yeah. Um, you know, having Todd Haley there, I think, gives them some credibility. Um, 
you know, it'd be interesting to see the Tyrod to Baker transition, how and 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 how and why that occurs. Um, you know, I, I think that the Browns are still still a few pieces short, but I think they'll be competitive. They could even get as high as maybe 500, uh, you know, if they're really pushing it. Um, I, I think the Steelers are, you know, the team to beat in the division. Um, you know, obviously Bell, the Bell situation bears watching, but, um, you know, they've, they've got a better roster top to bottom than about anybody else. Um, I think the Bengals are probably the number two team in the division. Um, you know, a lot of talent on paper there. Marvin Lewis is kind of playing for legacy at this point because he's going to be getting ready to. He is still you know, to, there. To it's amazing it. how long right. he's been there. Right, and he's he's playing for legacy at this point. Um, you know, so I think that there'll be something. Andy Dalton also kind of playing for, um, you know, for for his legacy at this point. Whether or not he's going to fade into the uh, uh, the ether as a as a journeyman backup type from here on out, or whether he takes the reins and kind of becomes Matt Ryan, you know, that kind of thing. So. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how, how those two play for, um, for their next spot. I think, uh, I think Baltimore is the worst team in the division personally. Um, you know, when I look at them, I know Baltimore fans don't want to hear that, but Joe Flacco is on his way out the door. Uh, and the, 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 the draft seemed to be to build this team for something that, uh, would be ready when Lamar Jackson took over. They went heavy, grabbed a couple of tight ends. Um, the idea is to come out and, you know, 12 personnel sets once Lamar takes over next year and, and be heavier on offense with a power run game and force defenses to go heavier so you can take advantage of Lamar's athleticism uh, by pulling that extra nickel, uh, pulling that extra corner off uh, off the field and put a linebacker on it. So, um, you know, the idea there, I can see what they're trying to do in terms of roster construction. Uh, that defense has been you know, kind of hit or miss last couple of years. It was, it was, it was good last year, but it's really aging. So uh, I think Baltimore's uh, kind of bottom of the barrel in that division. If, if you had to guess, do you think that transition to Lamar Jackson starts at any point this year, or is that totally wait until year two for them to even think about putting him in at starting? I wouldn't put him in this year based on what I saw in the preseason. He's not even remotely ready. So I wouldn't, uh, unless there were games that were wildly out of hand one way or another, just to get him some snaps. Uh, but I would not, the transition would not begin for me till next year. Yeah, I could see that. So moving into the AFC South, and this is another one kind of like the NFC South where it just seems like it was really tough to decide who to, who to go with. I mean, Deshaun Watson was great in the, in the flashes he showed last year, but, we just don't know for sure if he can stay healthy. And then I wonder, do you have any idea on Andrew Luck's health? Is he 100%? Is he close? What are I would say 100% is not the way to put it. Um, he's getting better. He's going to be the guy. Um, but I would say 100% is not accurate. There's still some you know, some issues, and he's trying to work all that out. Um, that's why they hung on to Jacoby Brissett just in case. Um, I think – I think Jacksonville's the, you know, obviously the cream of the division. That defense is is really good. Um, the team will go as far as Leonard Fournette can carry him, and uh, they don't have to rely on Blake Bortles too too much. I, like, I thought Cody Kessler looked better than Bortles in the preseason. Um, as far as the Texans go, they're, they're another team with great defense, but question marks at the quarterback. You you alluded to the the injuries, um, the injury thing with with Deshaun Watson. That's part of it. The other part of it is, you know, he actually had the highest interception percentage in the NFL last year. Right. Um, I think not a lot of people realize that uh, because he was throwing quite a few touchdowns too, uh, the highest touchdown percentage. But he, he's throwing a lot of interceptions per pass, and that's that's not something you you want. He needs to clean that up. He's not really a super high velocity thrower, so. 
guys can break on the ball on him. We'll we'll see you know an extended action this year, and you know I'm concerned because that offensive line is really bad uh, there at Houston. That's that's so, my concern you know, with Houston is I I kind of think the the hype on them as, in general I do think there is there's some serious talent still on that defense and I think the offense could be explosive but it's almost the the fantasy hype that gets blown out of proportion because Deshaun Watson scored so many points in fantasy that people just assumed he was a great quarterback last year and there were as you said there was a lot of, there were some interceptions and then I saw it again in the preseason he he likes to extend plays so much and he's so good at it but with that offensive line he just he doesn't. He gives his body up too much to hits, and I'm, I just get nervous that he can't make it through a full season. Yeah, and we'll see. Like I said, the season will really kind of be a, you know, a litmus test for that. Um, you know, I think you look at the rest of the division. You got the the Colts, the Titans. Um, I don't think either one of those teams are particularly very good. Uh, I thought the Titans overachieved last year. Got some lucky breaks. Uh, I think the Colts will be better with luck back, but you know they've still got quite a few holes. So uh, when all said and done, uh, coin flip for you, for which one of those you know is the worst in the division. And you're saying uh, just to make sure, you said Jags is who you would take if you had to pick one to win that. Yeah, they'll 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 win the division, I think. All right, and then the last division in the AFC, which this one it seems like it's been a known known for the past decade plus uh patriots probably i'm sure you're picking patriots to win it is there anything that even competes with them in the afc east well i think some of that depends on the health of ryan Tannehill. Uh, if he can stay healthy i expect the dolphins to surprise people i think uh i think they're better than people think um you know and gase is kind of coaching for his job at this point Tannehill's kind of uh you know playing for you know what's next um, so, you know, I think that, uh, that, that Miami's kind of got a fire under them. I think they, they made some, some moves along the, the roster to get rid of people who were disruptive in the locker room. And so I think now you're going to see a, a little bit of a different team. Um, I, I thought they made some improvements. I mean, they got rid of Jarvis Landry, but you added Albert Wilson, Danny Amendola, um, the role players, but they're very good role players. Um, the key is going to be whether or not they're able to generate a run game, um, you know, there between Frank Gore and, and, and Kenyon Drake, we'll see how that works out. Uh, and then, you know, like I said, Tannehill's health, if he can stay healthy and, uh, and everything, they were really excited going into last season, Tannehill going down really dealt them, uh, you know, the team kind of a morale and psyche blow and that, that really set them back. So, um, you know, I, I expect Miami to be better than, better than people think when all said and done, I don't know if they'll compete for the division or even a wild card, but, um, they'll be in some games. You have the two teams, in the division, uh, they're going to be starting basically rookie quarterbacks. Um, you know, Darnold, uh, I expect him to be good in the coming years, but he's going to be the youngest starter in NFL history. Um, you know, expect opening day starter. Pains there. Yeah, I'd be the youngest opening day starter and the second youngest starter in NFL history behind Tommy Maddox. So, there's, you know, you have growing pains. Same thing with, with Buffalo, who's uh, gutted their offensive line, and, and they're going to be starting a young quarterback. That's just you know, that's going to be rough. You go start with Nathan Peterman and he'll give way to Josh Allen at some point. Both those teams have okay defenses uh, that'll keep them in games. But, um, you know, I, I don't really see either one of them being very competitive this year. Is that, is the Buffalo starting Nathan Peterman, is that more just to make sure Josh Allen's healthy or to make sure he's ready? Well, kind of both. I mean, really what you're looking at here is uh, they have a rough defensive schedule the first three games of the season, four games of the season. So uh, you'll see Nathan Peterman just take a beating for the first couple of games until they can drop Josh Allen out there against, a, you know, in Indianapolis or something. All right, I got you. Um, before I let you go, do you, do you have a Super Bowl pick? 
I, I, uh, I guess I kind of stunned everybody when I said Chargers against the Falcons. I think everybody kind of freaked out on that. That's, uh, that's who I picked. Uh, we'll kind of see how that shakes out. But, you know, I, I don't think that's as unrealistic as people seem to think it is. Uh, boy, if Phillip Rivers could – well, either one of those quarterbacks, if they could get, get a Super Bowl on their resume, that would really change the way people think about them as they head closer to retirement. Um, real quick, I wanted to ask you just cause I know you kind of keep an eye on quarterbacks and it's way early, but just who's the, the, the quarterback in the, in college right now that kind of is really turning eyes for scouts. Is it kind of Will Greer, Drew Locke? Is Tua interesting to people? I guess he's younger, but. Yeah, I, uh, not, not Greer. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of a day three guy. Locke has got some people intrigued by his size and arm. Um, uh, the kid up in Oregon, um, Justin Herbert, has a lot of people, um, you know, kind of eyeballing him. And then Jarrett Stidham over there at Auburn is another big name to uh, to keep an eye on. I think those are those are kind of the two to really keep your your eyes on right now. Is the kid at NC State? Is he kind of turning names? That uh, Finley kid? I just saw he had the size. Right, Finley. Yeah, he's, he's a he's a decent prospect. Um, you know, I think people are. Um, you know, a little, I think he's a little down people's boards relative to some of those other guys, but, uh, you know, he could be a solid middle, uh, middle of the class quarterback right now. Some people have him rated a little higher than that. All right. Well, uh, that'll be interesting to see. We'll, we'll learn a lot more about as the season rolls on, but, uh, Ben, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, is there anything, anything we can plug for you moving forward? Uh, no, nah, I think everybody's pretty aware of everywhere to find me. They can, uh, they can unfollow me on Twitter at all right. <laughs> All right, Ben. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. Hopefully, we can have you on again sometime this season. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. All right, and that interview with Benjamin Albright was brought to you by my bookie. And if I don't know necessarily who to bet on, well, I mean, I can tell you I, as LJ put in in the, uh, the some of the notes earlier in this week. <laughs> I can't tell you who to bet on, but I can tell you who not to bet on. Just to do the opposite <laughs> of whatever I'm going with, and do it in my bookie. If you go to mybookie.ag now, and you're one of our listeners, you can just go in there and type in JPP in the promo code, and they will match whatever you deposit dollar for dollar up to one thousand dollars. So wow, that's that's I mean, impressive. Yeah, it's you cool just got deal. money to play with. You just you just go have fun, have a reason to – you can go bet on the games you're, you're watching on Saturday and Sunday just to throw a little extra in if it's not your team. So if you're not rooting on the, the SEC just because it's the SEC, then you can root on them because you bet on them. That's the best way to do it. <laughs> can so, I just say that Ben Albright's a really smart guy. I, I like his take on yeah, Denver. <laughs> you know, I, I, I always feel like I get a little smarter when, when Ben hops on. And I will also note that Ben is a good follow on Twitter, not just for his NFL stuff, because I think his NFL stuff's great, but also he'll kind of uh, exchange with fans who maybe have very differentiating okay. point of views. And it's just, All it's right. pretty funny. It, you follow him at Albright NFL. It's A-L-L Bright NFL. And it, it, he's, an, he's an interesting follow, but uh, we really appreciate him coming on. But yeah. I wanted to get to something that really – we thought the Nike stuff and Colin Kaepernick had Twitter up in arms, but it really had Twitter up in arms from the other night was uh, something at the U.S. Open. And it was not Roger Federer getting upset, but it was a woman who seemed to – it got caught on camera. The camera just kind of panned to the crowd, and this woman seemed to this. dip her chicken finger in soda. Like she had like her Dr. Pepper sitting there, and she dipped a chicken finger in her soda and then took a bite out of it. Now, uh, maybe I'm crazy. <laughs> this isn't a thing, right, guys? There's no way this no, is a thing. No. It's not a thing. No. No. 
Remember we I did mean, is I've, this anything? That's, that's not anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've I mean I've heard of, you know, obviously there's the ketchup, mustard, honey mustard, ranch, french fries, hell, and even your blue cheese milkshake. if you want. I've heard of that one. Yeah, but I don't want my chicken finger to be soggy. I just don't understand. It just and also like and apparently for your soda, they have just breaded fried bits floating around in there too. Like that seems like a like backwash in there. It you ruined both of your things. Yeah, there's two good things. There's chicken fingers and sodas that you had in front of you, and you ruined both with that with that single dip. And it was interesting today or earlier this week, she came out and spoke out because uh, people she was blowing up on Twitter and getting shamed for this. I mean, it was all over the place. Yeah. And she came out and says that she did it frequently when she was growing up, and she still does it at times. But when she did it at the U.S. Open, she was telling the the little boy there. I'm not sure if that was her son or not, but she was telling the little boy there that hey, this is a secret. Don't tell anyone because people look at you're real funny if they figure out you do this but i really like doing this and it was just funny and now she's like i'm kind of embarrassed because i don't want people to know i do that because it is a weird thing and now everybody in the world knows that i do this so it is interesting you know what more power to her she wants to dip her chicken tender in soda i mean she's grown you're right you were right about that I had a different take. She hurt me. Live your life. Live your life. You're exactly Live your right. life, girl. You ain't bothering me. What is now. it? It's your Sunday, it. too? It's yeah. her Sunday. It's her chicken nugget, too. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, she's the one that spent all that money to go to the U.S. Open. I'm sure she yeah. spent a pretty penny on a large Coke in a chicken finger basket. So, by all yeah. means, eat that damn chicken finger however yeah. you want, baby girl. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> and... I figure we'll go ahead. We didn't get into it last uh, last episode because we didn't have you on, Pops. So we can go ahead and get into it now on what we're listening to. And, uh, Dad, I'll let you go ahead and kick it off if you want. What, what have you been listening to? You know, so I can't remember what I was doing the other day. I think I was just doing a little work, but I put on something that I hadn't listened to in a while and rocked out. And it was actually was the first album I ever bought Uh-oh. myself. Oh, Peter Frampton, Frampton Comes Alive. So good. Listen to it front to back. What a great album. Fair enough. Great listen. I mean, that that's one yep. of the, the classics right there. Yeah, it is. You know, at one time, I want to say it might have been the best-selling album of all time. I think Thriller, we need to look at that. I think Thriller might have taken over from Frampton Comes Alive. And then, of course, we know the Eagles have now uh, gone gone past. Uh, I think Frampton Comes Alive beat Carol King's Tapestry. I mean, this is just off the dome, y'all. This, I mean, is, we'll this is just this pops off the dome here? This is off the dome. But I do think Frampton came, Comes Alive held that honor for just a little while. I do. You know, interestingly, I saw this. This kind of came to, I don't know how this popped up. I think I might have saw a tweet about it. But just speaking of kind of musical legends, uh, did you know that Mick Jagger not only has eight kids, but he has two kids that were born 46 years apart. Oh, my God. <laughs> Marsha Hunt was born in 1970, and his latest kid, Melanie Hamrick, was born in 2016. And Mick Jagger wow. is 76 years old. Wow. That That's a random thing, but it blew my mind when someone made that point on Twitter the other day. That's ridiculous. I mean, I guess, you know, they all, they, they kind of say sex, drug, and rock and roll will kill you, but Mick Jagger's still, still dancing and kicking, He's still man. kicking. Mm-hmm. He's still kicking. What is the old saying? Speaking of uh, the Rolling Stones, the old saying about like every cigarette you smoke, like takes 10 years away from your life and adds 10 years to Keith Richards or something. Isn't that the old saying? <laughs> it <laughs> yeah. seems like it. I hadn't heard that, but. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I. 
a, a quick look at I didn't see Frampton Comes Alive on the top selling albums. I think it might there be was something it potentially to might that. be the best selling live album of all time. It's it was maybe uh, that's what it was. It was somewhere on well, that list I mean, for sure. The Eagles probably shouldn't be the number one best selling album since it's a best of, not an actual. Well, I was going to say, album, I mean, so. I mean, you know, the numbers are the numbers, but the asterisk is also the asterisk. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> LJ, what, what what have you been listening to? You been listening to anything good? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I've kind of gone back to something I found uh, last summer. Uh, a guy named, or I think it's a guy named Uncle Skeleton, uh, an album called Coco Beach, and specifically the song Handy Looky. I'm a big fan of. It's kind of a post-apocalyptic, uh, like '40s, but like modern pop sort of sound. It's really interesting, and uh, lyrically, it's it's even more interesting. Uh, so I'd say definitely, uh, yeah, give out give the album Coco Beach uh, listen, but most specifically Handy. Handy looky, uh, spectacular. Coco Beach. All right, all right. Hand, handy looky. Yep. H a n d y l o o k y. Handy looky. Got it. All right, and very cool. I've kind of what I've been listening to is a little old school too. Uh, not old school as far as that was going back, but kind of something I, I kind of grew up on, and it was interesting. One of the uh, a loyal listener, uh, Jordan Owens, is the one who kind of put me onto it because he the other day he posted something about listening to some old school T Pain. And so right. I listened to like this, this, uh, I just went and found some old school T-Pain, some buy you a drink and yeah. I'm in love with a stripper and blow yeah. your mind and just some, some good <laughs> stuff. And then, and then some Akon popped up and it was just, oh, I was boy. reliving the, the glory Akon days, but I want to, but what I've been listening to, I'll just put what I've been listening to as some old school T-Pain, some buy all you a right, drink and right. bartender. I was jamming on my all way right. back up to Fort Smith the other day. I like so, those. Yeah. Well done. Cool. Well done. So I think that will do it for this week's episode. I thank you everyone for for tuning in, and a special shout out to to Ben Albright for jumping on and talking some NFL yeah. with us ahead of the big season. Man, I am pumped to have football back, guys. Me too. Me too. This weekend, here you go. I will say. So he was he was all on. He he likes your Broncos, and he does not like the Cowboys. I, he sounded pretty down on the Cowboys. So. We, I'm worried uh, about the Cowboys. Because <clears throat> Saad was kind of onto the Cowboys, right? He was uh, Yeah, a little bit. Uh, Saad was kind of into it. it. Really, Ben was just kind of – his big thing was it, Dak, and this will be a big year for for Dak to figure out if he was rookie Dak yeah. or if he's second-year Dak. So, and I, I, I couldn't agree with him more. So, he, he thought it, – it, it was a good interview. I really appreciate him coming on. And uh, like I said, the, the podcast is brought to you by MyBookie. Put that, put that promo code JPP in there and they'll match any deposit if you're wanting to to gamble on any of the games this weekend and uh, as always you can find us on Twitter and Facebook we're easy just type in Just Press Play Podcast in the little search and we'll pop right up and then you can find us online at jpppod.com so uh, I think for this week's episode it was good to have you back dad good to have the tripod back standing Uh, that's it that's all I got alright All right. me too peace out I guess it was in my earphone, so that's why. No, I, I just hear it. I just heard a ding earlier. I heard like a little ding, like a text message from your watch, probably like a couple of ten minutes. Ago. I didn't hear it at all. That's funny. Yeah, I'll holler at Tony back here. Yeah, tell me something. Tell me interrupt the show. <laughs> we'll do. We'll do. We'll just come back.